What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your favorite conversation podcast where two guys discuss movie news, TV news, tech news, camera news, you know the drill by this point, pretty much whatever news we, news, we really want to cover. Exactly. Uh, as always, we're your two hosts. My name is Josh. And my name is Willis. And how are you doing this week, Willis? I'm doing pretty good, man. I've been a little sick like the past few days, like a little bit of a head cold thing going on, so I might sound a little weird, but uh, I'm doing better now. I'm doing good. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. We got some good stuff to talk about today. A little bit of franchise news, some industry news. We actually have some tech news, which is cool. Yeah. Camera tech news. Yeah. We're getting back into it. Lens tech. So a little little tiny. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, today we're going to be talking about the the Suicide Squad box office opening, which it just premiered this past Friday in theaters, to some uh, Uh, low numbers. Yes. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We're also going to be talking about a new... Uh, or the newly announced deal that uh, the two South Park creators have struck with Paramount for a massive amount of South Park content coming up in the next, I don't know, 10 years or so, something like that. Long time. Long time. So if you love South Park, you're going to have a lot of it. So (laughs) Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about the the newly announced TT Artisan 50mm 1.4 lens, which is specifically made for full-frame mirrorless cameras. And really what we're going to be going into is the price point and where this fits in the lineup of, of lenses and does it really matter if you buy the most expensive stuff anymore? And then at the very end, we are going to be ending it off with, with our guy, Brendan Fraser. Yes. As he's making a... I don't even know what you want to call it. It's definitely a renaissance. He's making yeah. a comeback for the ages. And yeah, Frasier, I for one am Fraser Sans doesn't run off the tongue as well as Makanasans did. I know. But same sort of thing though. He's same he's on the thing. uptick. Very much so. So that's what we're going to be talking about today and let's just jump right into the first topic which is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad which has been highly anticipated for both me and you yes. for a very long time because this has been in the works for years now. And uh, do you want to go over kind of what happened this weekend with the with the numbers? Yeah, so not much happened this weekend. Uh, in its opening weekend, Suicide Squad did $26.5 million in Yikes. the domestic box office, which is really really low i think it was on track to be around 30 35 which is low to begin with so it underperformed even against lowered expectations um which is a really weird like question as to why i mean obviously there's all kinds of stuff going on but like it's it's very it's a very strange thing to see such low numbers from it um i know you saw it this weekend right josh I did. I saw it last night, actually. Saw it in the Dolby Theater. Got that nice, crisp sound. A little too loud, to be quite honest, but you know. (laughs) It is a James Gunn movie. I know. (laughs) I know, which was great. I mean, that's why you go to the theater. You get that type of experience. Um, It Personally, for me, it definitely 
was as good as I expected. Uh, my hopes were kind of iffy just mm. with all superhero stuff these days. Um, especially from DC. Especially from DC because they're very like it's it's the highest of highs and then nothing. So yeah. It's, you know. yeah. And so it definitely surprised me because we're in there and it's like, you know, 10 other people. But it's a good movie, you'd say, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, so we can't really say it did poorly in the theaters because it's a shitty movie that no one wanted to see anyway. Right. Right. So what's going on here? I mean, I feel like there's a few different things going on. Mm-hmm. In my head, it's a like all of the COVID stuff, which is you know the yeah. big the big kind of thing. Everything's been low all summer, but so the, and there's like the Delta variant coming along. That's kind of I think sort of getting more people to start staying home and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. so there's that it's rated R. Yes. And it's a hard R I will oh, say. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely a hard R. <laughs> All right. So super rated R. So you're not getting like that kind of family crossover effect for it. Right. So, I mean, are those things enough to merit this like really bad performance or are, and the other thing I guess you have is it's also, it came out on, uh, HBO max as well. So like, is that a trifecta of things that are just kind of killing this film? I think so. Like, think about Black Widow, because Black Widow blew this out of the water with their mm-hmm. first opening weekend, but you had to pay $30, because that was another simultaneous release. You had to pay $30 if you wanted to watch this at home. Yes. Whereas with HBO Max, it's just, you can watch it wherever. And I won't even lie, we were on HBO Max on Friday night, mm-hmm. and it was there. And yeah. we were like, because we had already booked our tickets for last night. And we're like, ah, oh, we could just turn it on right now. Like we could just watch this. Like we could just watch the Suicide Squad right now if we wanted to. And there was a split second where both of us were kind of like, we should just throw it on. Like, why not? It's right here. Yeah. And I think people who aren't as invested in going to see things in the theater. Yeah. I mean, there was an, it's a no brainer. It's like, should I, do you want me to pay for a $10 ticket or fucking watch it here now for free like i think that was a big thing and that's i mean i had the same experience of to be fair the the we that josh is talking about is not i and him but i assume your your roommate yeah me and my roommate yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so um yeah i mean i had the same thing i saw i've seen it a couple times on hbo max and i honestly this morning i was really tempted to be like yeah i'm just gonna knock it out but my screen feels very small for that kind of movie um so I don't know. It's 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 tough to say because it's like everybody's pointing fingers at various different things for this this box office, you know, lack of performance. And yeah, I think it's just the culmination of everything. I don't think you can point at one specific thing and say that, you know, because if there was no COVID or anything going on right now, but it was still being simultaneously released. You'd still miss part of that, but there'd be a lot more people in there. Like all of these things individually are contributing. It's just all hitting at the same time and bringing it down yeah. to 26.5 million, which is crazy. I, I almost couldn't believe that when I read it because I'm like, there's not the, very few movies that have been this high profile have done that poorly. There's been like nothing but the Suicide Squad, like news and information coming out for weeks now mm-hmm. you know like every you know movie website is uh covered completely by suicide squad content and all this stuff and it's just and then it just didn't happen 
Yeah. It did it did less than Jungle Cruise on its opening weekend, which I don't really understand. I mean, if you look at Jungle Cruise, like it has The Rock and Emily Blunt as a draw shore. Um, mm-hmm. and it has like I guess a draw a built in draw from like it's uh, a Disney ride. I guess I, guess, I don't know if that's a like, huge draw. It, not like pirates. It was. It's yeah. not the same deal, really. But it's also kid friendly, which might be the the the. You know, if we're saying, hey, there's four things that are keeping Suicide Squad down, but Jungle Cruise was down by three. I think Jungle Cruise on its opening weekend did thirty. I believe you're right. Um, did thirty five on its domestic opening. Unreal, man. So it beat it out by about $10, $10 million, which I could see that like the family aspect being that difference. You know what I mean? If you if you consider everything else as equal, but families will go see Jungle Cruise and not Suicide Squad. Right. I suppose, but still. And you can watch it for free. Like I'm assuming Jungle True. Cruise... You probably have to pay thirty bucks for at home, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On Disney Plus, so it's like if you if your kids want to see this, the only choice well, it's not the only choice, but it's like you, you either yeah. pay thirty dollars here or you you go to the theater. Whereas you know, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's totally a culmination of all of these things coming together. The Delta variant stuff. I think the fact that it's definitely a hard R is, yeah, something is working against it a little bit. Although I don't know, man. Like the Logans, the Deadpools, yeah. like there's been these things where it's like, this works, this shit works and adults want to see this stuff. Like it's not just for kids anymore. And I would say the hype around the Suicide Squad here is pretty close to, if not on par with the hype that was around Deadpool. Yeah. Like the original Deadpool 2 was a whole different thing because everyone was like, it's going to be the greatest movie ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like there was like, I think equal hype around both of these. So it's like... Yeah, like there are still people that go see R-rated movies. Totally. You know, like there, there. of course there are. But one of these days, like we're going to hit a, a point here where streamers have to start releasing like numbers on how these films do. Because it's like one of those, I'm like, well, if, you know, it did $26 million in the box office, but like 40 million people watched it at home, that's a whole different conversation. Then it's right. like, then it I'm actually like, did oh, really well. Yeah. Um, but like if it's, you know, if it did 26 million and like it did like 2 million people saw it at home, I'm pulling these numbers out of midair. Don't like quote me on anything or anything like that. But like, <laughs> then it's like, well, that's, you know, not as, not as good. That's right. Then you can't say that the box office was pulled away from people watching at home because yeah. Um, so at sure. one point I feel like we're going to hit a, a, a peak here where they have to start giving us some kind of metric on these home streaming things. Right, because to be honest, box office numbers, they're not meaningless yet, but they're getting to the point where it's like, what is it? What does that mean? Like, yeah, you got people to go to the theater, but that's not the only way you can see these movies anymore. So what is that proving? Like, you got people to go pay for it more, but it's like they already pay for Disney or they already pay for HBO. Yeah. So it's like, what did you get? If it's just going by the how many eyes saw this film, then no doubt they have to start releasing those numbers because yeah. it would make them 
do better. It would just make everything, well, unless they did worse, I guess, but it would make everything seem a lot more um, positive in that light. And well, I and think- it's an interesting thing too, because it's like, you know, if you take the entire business aspect out of it, if you look at it from how releasing box office numbers translates to like a fan's decision, whether or not they're going to go see that movie, yeah, you know, a box office number is just a count with like more math of how many people went and saw this movie. Is this movie really popular? Should I go see this movie? Are a lot of people seeing this movie? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, well $80 million means way more people saw it than $35 million or $26 million or whatever. Yeah. So if that's like what we're getting off of box office numbers, why not release the numbers from the streaming and say like, 200 million people, 200 million, 20 million people watch this on streaming. (laughs) Most of America. It's really popular. All of your friends have probably watched this this weekend. You should watch it too. Like that's becomes a marketing tactic in itself. And like, why not give us that information? Why not change the metric? You know? Yeah. It's not based in money and you can't like stroke your egos of we made so much money, blah, but like we need an updated metric for this kind of stuff. We do. Because right now it largely doesn't matter. Like if you're talking how much money did this film make in in total, you can't even go off the box office metric for that. Yeah. Because yeah. again, like for Disney, a whole bunch of people bought Black Widow and that adds into the equation. So it's like the the box office opening weekend thing, it's kind of just a, it's just a fucking, for lack of a better term, it's just like a dick measuring contest at this point. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, my movie performed better in the box office than your movie did. That doesn't mean it's a better movie. Yeah. It doesn't mean everybody liked it. It just means people went and paid for it. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like you were saying, Birds of Prey did better than this. And I don't really think Birds of Prey was a fantastic movie. I think this is way better, but that doesn't have anything to do. I mean, think about it. every Marvel movie ever did better than every one of Tarantino's movies. Yeah. So it's like, what does that mean about anything? Except Black Widow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah, true, true. Well, yeah. Aw- awkward but qualifier. That's- um, <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, and it's true. And it's like, it, th- there would be people that would argue, oh, well, it's always been like this. We've never considered DVD sales and things like that before, or like VHS sales way back in the day. Like, yeah. you know, the, the home entertainment thing has always been something that's separate from the, uh, box office and whatnot. Yeah. But those always came out way after. Yeah. Like this is the thing is like it was always the box office run and then the DVD Blu-ray release and then, you know, streaming on cable or not streaming, running on cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Streaming, yeah. (laughs) But now it's like now these things are coming out simultaneously. So it's not the same conversation because because they're simultaneous. Like, yeah, it's it's the same kind of deal. It's people who want to see this movie as soon as it's available watching it. Like that's what a box office really is, is people who wants to see this, who want to see this movie as soon as it's available. And that's a oversimplification, but like, it's, I don't know. I'm off on a tangent. <laughs> Bring me back. <laughs> no, no, I I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think that, I mean, even the box office figures have never really meant anything because notoriously some of the, a lot of the best films ever made have done absolutely bombed at the box office and they come back as, you know, cult classics or something that we remember really well so it doesn't really matter all that much but in the age of like it's become so much more prevalent with these huger like these bigger 
um, franchise films that are guaranteed to make like $500 million, $700 mm-hmm. million, a billion dollars, where that's like, oh, Fast 9 made a billion dollars. Like there's the billion dollar club with movies now. Yeah. It's like crossing that threshold is not even uncommon anymore for these things. So I think it's become more about that stuff, which, you know, it shouldn't be about the profit. That's a really interesting thought of, do you think we're going to, like, when do you think we'll get the next billion dollar movie? I mean, I don't know if we will ever get another billion dollar movie. Like, yeah. when will there be another enough hype to, yeah, like, there won't be another Star Wars that'll do that. There won't be another, you well, know. Well, because Black West, the only thing I can think is maybe Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, yeah. Might get there. But if we're, like. Well, that'll get there. Well, but if it's got a 45-day window as opposed to a 90-day window, you know what I mean? I'm like, is that a thing that's in the past now? Especially, I mean, I can't, well, I don't know. Do you think Disney will offer uh, Spider-Man Far From Home on Disney Plus? Well, that's November, right? That's Simultaneously, yeah. It's also Sony as well, so. It is Sony, and Disney and Sony, like, don't like each other that, or Marvel and Sony. Although they do have that weird deal that's starting up where the Spider-Man movies are going to be on Disney Plus and stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if that, in some capacity, like, lines up, you know? If there's like a consideration there, but yeah, I don't know. I think this, I, I completely forgot about Spider-Man when we were talking about this stuff. Cause yeah. I'm like, that is one of those films where I think the hype overshadows a lot of this other bullshit where people will go to see it because the, the thought of having all three Spider-Men that we've seen on screen mm-hmm. in one film, that's enough to bring just about everybody into the theater. Um, so I don't know if they're going to do a simultaneous with this. I believe they probably will, but it almost seems like a detriment. I think we'll have to play it by ear and see what happens yeah. with COVID because that's going to yeah. be a huge thing. Because in November, who the fuck knows, man? Like, who who knows? But I kind of would want to see them not do simultaneous for this because that could break the billion-dollar mark. I think it I could. would bet there's uh, legal complications in there that will probably prevent that. I feel like that'll totally. be a, a theater only thing. Um, but Fast Nine was a theater only thing. And, you know, that I think still it, that and Black Widow, I think, are the top uh, films of the summer at this moment. Um, but it's still well, it's, it's still I don't think anywhere near a uh, billion dollars. Oh, God, no, there's no way. I think it's in like three, four hundred million, maybe. Yeah, it's at four hundred ninety million. Yeah. No, it's sorry. It's at 661 worldwide. So domestic, it's at 171 and internationally, it's at 490 mil. And it's probably got another like couple weeks to go. And I don't I think everyone's seen it by now. Who's going to see it? Yeah. So I don't think, uh, yeah. And it's probably down to like one or two showings wherever it's still playing. So yeah, it's not, it's not a huge draw anymore. So yeah, I don't think that's going to hit the billion dollar mark. I mean, 600 mil is, is not nothing, but it's not a billion. No. It's not a billion, and if you spent two hundred and thirty million on the movie, like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I was shocked about the Suicide Squad. I thought way more people were going to go see this, but I think, like we said at the very beginning, it's a culmination of about five different things coming to a head. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, is the fact that you could watch it for free at home. Yeah, I think that's what did it in because the fact that I almost did that, and I have done that. For The yeah. Conjuring, Kong, Mortal Kombat, yep. every single one of those, I saw them at home, and that hurts me. 
that yeah. actually hurts me to say that. That sucked. Even though none of those movies were very good, it still sucks. Godzilla like, versus Kong was pretty good. <laughs> for what it is, it if was- y'all could see the face Joshua made. <laughs> for what it was, I mean, it was a billion times better than Mortal Kombat, but- <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so- I don't know. Go see the Suicide Squad guy, or or don't be ca- be cautious about COVID. You know, I don't want to, you know, yeah. be too cavalier It'll about be interesting that. Interesting to see if it has, <laughs> if it had. Well, I'll say this: if it has as much of a fall off as other films have had this summer, because yeah. I feel like a lot of people are, are going to be like you and say, "Hey, like this is definitely worth seeing in the theaters." If you're going to go see yeah. it, go see it in the theater. And I wish, I wish it, I wish that it was a packed theater without COVID, because mm-hmm. I think that this would have been a perfect film for a packed theater because the shit you watch and the jokes and the gore it's just like it's made for people to be like oh my god it's just one of those movies that you want to like scream at the scream the screen type of thing and so you know it's just it's a movie theater film so speaking of almost a billion dollars yes there you go nice south park is in the news I never thought I would say that. Really, yes. we're talking about <laughs> South Park on this on this podcast. We got a lot of South Park fans out there. I mean, I I, I like South Park for what it, what it's worth. I'm a big South Park fan. Yeah, I don't have any of the newer seasons in my mind, but nope. you know, but we have a shitload more South Park coming our way on the way. Yes, um, Paramount Plus has ordered. 14. Now, this is what really surprises me because how many South Park movies are there? Like One. two? It's just the bigger, bigger longer, longer uncut, uncut, right? That's it. Yep. That's what I thought. So I'm like, <laughs> they ordered, how many did they order, Willis? They ordered 14 South Park movies. What? Viacom CBS has gone all in on South Park. What? Like, and six more seasons at least. And six like, more seasons. Up to yes. So they, yeah. So South Park right now is in its 24th season. Um, meaning it came on in the 90s for all of you math nerds. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what year because that math is too beyond me. But so this show has been on forever and they just basically said, hey, we're going to give you seven more. We're going to bring you through 2027, 20, 30 seasons. And like, that's like with this and 14 movies for 900 for million dollars. 900 million dollars. Trey Parker and Matt Stone are just like what the they fuck? must be just like they, our life is amazing. We get to do the dumbest show on the planet. Like it's it's stupid and smart at the same time. We get to do whatever the fuck we want to, and they're paying us a billion dollars for more of it. It's <laughs> like, so bizarre. I mean, I'm genius. so. Here, let me ask you this, Josh. When was the last time you watched yeah. South Park? Uh, honestly, I I caught an episode like two weeks ago, because it was on. Whatever. It was just like my roommate was watching it. Well, that doesn't help my my point here. So when was the last time you actively were like, I watch South Park every week? Like, bef- like before college, like four or five years ago, six okay. years ago. Cool. There, that's the point. So like I, I, the same, I used to watch every week, like on Comedy Central, I was like, here we go, New South Park, I'm going to watch. And then I kind of just stopped. The last yeah. ones I remember were kind of around when, um, fuck, I think it was Kyle turned into an asshole, uh, like officially, like he, oh, he grew oh, up and like, yeah. you know, uh, yep. that was kind of like when I was like, okay, like not that it was bad, but it, that was like when I started fading away from it. And I know they've done yep. a bunch of like pandemic stuff. Um, and I, I think yeah. if I'm reading correctly or if I read correctly, 
I think the movies are not necessarily going to be like bigger, longer and uncut more like ep- topical episodes that last for 90 to a hundred to 120 minutes. Ah, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. So the, the movies were going to, um, focus on world building and expanding like peripheral characters. Oh God. <laughs> so like, uh, so it's not about like Kyle and Stan and, and Cartman and Kenny, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> yeah. Or like, uh, or Randy or, Oh, a Randy movie. I'm actually all in on the Randy movie. Yeah. That would be pretty dope. But so that's a really interesting cause I'm like, that's a, I don't know what 14 movies you get on that. I mean, they must have some kind of plan on that. Cause it's like 14 is a they weirdly arbitrary number. Yeah. Like uh, why not 15? Why not 10? Why right. not a dozen? It's specific. And it's also, it's just, it's this story actually took me off guard because yeah. I was like, this kind of seemingly came out of nowhere. I mean, we were talking at the beginning of this podcast before we started recording. Neither of us really even knew for sure if South Park was still on the air. Yeah. Well, like, they didn't we were do like... their last season. <laughs> they Like, during yes. the pandemic, they didn't do a season. And I think a lot of people were like, yeah, and they're going to just kind of, it's been on for 24 years. Like, let's just let it fade into the darkness. Uh, no, boom. not going to fade anywhere. Actually, it's going to ramp up a lot more, like to likes of which we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say it's probably worth noting that this is like a big push for Paramount Plus. Yeah. Like you had mentioned at the top, but it's like these are going to be like exclusively on Paramount Plus along with like all the Star Trek stuff. Like they're kind of building their own like, hey, we have our own stuff that you're going to want to subscribe specifically to this for. Yeah. And I know we both kind of laughed when Paramount Plus first came out because you were like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, another one. Yeah. What do you think? You're Disney? <laughs> um, right. But I, I'm i kind of like, I'm getting there. I'm getting there too. I mean, this might not be the thing that pushes me there, but I like. Well, I mean, the first, the first of the 14 movies is supposed to come out before the end of the year, which is crazy. Oh. Um but also they've always like traditionally been like, yeah, like we can knock this at like an episode out in a, in like a week. Oh yeah. Have you seen, this is kind of off topic, but have you seen their seven days to air? I, yeah, it's insane crazy. Insane watching them work. This is like the earlier seasons of South Park, but insane watching them go yeah. from day to day on. And then like the day before they're still working on the episode. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, they can bang these things out really fast. Cause it's very, you know, the animations can at this point, they know what they're doing. It's very specific. They do all the voice acting work. It's, you know, it's all yeah. in-house stuff. They are the writers. So it's definitely possible that they can bang these things out really, really fast. And maybe that's part of the thing. It's like, they don't have to like Paramount's like, Oh, if we order this now, you can have two movies a year yeah, or three movies a year or whatever and not have an issue. I guess it would, it would through 2027. That would be, that would be two a year. Yeah. So which, there's the, there's the 14 math, I guess. Yeah, is there enough? Yeah, this is a this is one of those things where I really want to see the metrics on yeah how many people watch these movies because I mean I'm not re- like lining up to see these yeah. really probably I'm not gonna lie I'd be way more interested in like two South Park movies a year over the past four years 
Yeah. You know, yeah. like, cause I feel like yeah. everything that's been happening, like with the Trump administration and all that kind of chaos was rife for South Park, uh, parody. Yeah. But now I like, not that we're like back to normal or anything like that, but I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. it's the, it's going to be more tempered. I feel like yeah, it was almost too perfect. Like, like the past yeah. few years. And I think that's, they even made a, like they made a statement at, at one point, like during the Trump presidency where they're like, we don't even, it's like too sad to yeah. keep making these. Cause it's like, it's too real. There's no parody. Like the parody is itself and yeah. the par- it's really terrible. So they were like, we don't really feel like <laughs> this works anymore. And yet here we go. Seven more and seasons. Here we go. 14 movies and seven seasons more. And who knows? I mean, it's, it's like the Simpsons. It will go. Till yeah. It doesn't go. I yeah. Mean. It's a weird thing. Like all of these animated shows that are just like, do you think this is like a different subject, but do you think they'll all like, and like, do you think Simpsons, Family Guy, uh, South Park, like all of these animated shows that have been on for 20, 20 years, 20, 25 yeah. years, like you think they're all going to knock out in like a, a year and a half? I do, because I think that they all very much are of the time that they're made. And like yeah. South Park is like they, they or all of those shows keep it topical, mm-hmm. but the, the kind of humor that they use... Like Simpsons is very obscure now. Yeah. Like I don't watch The Simpsons very much anymore. I used to watch it a lot in the early two thousands, but it's like I don't. Same with Family Guy. I'm like I don't think those types of comedy yeah. really translates to the youth that today. Yeah. Anymore. So I think yeah. Once once the generation above stops watching, like yeah. that's it. That's it. And I don't think that kids care that much about like. There's far raunchier, more interesting stuff to watch on TV. Like if you want to watch like interesting comedy cartoon shits like the Rick and Morty's on like there's stuff yeah. out there that's like really well, even really you get like, into like Bob's Burgers or Archer or things Bob's like Burgers. that those those are in their yeah. like 10th 12th season yeah you know like it's weird and there's so much more of like the of the today's generation's humor yeah. than, than like say the Simpsons or, or Family Guy is um, South Park it, it toes the line a bit because it's very like it's just childish humor with lots of vul- like vulgarity or yeah. whatever so it's I get it but I think that yeah I think they'll all die off in relatively the same two year span because yeah. I just think at some point it's not gonna p- kids don't watch it and yeah. once kids stop watching that shit <laughs> there like, it goes adults can yep. only stand so much South Park so well they're about to stand a lot of it not gonna lie though it's kind of gotten me being like oh maybe I should like Look up some South Park and watch some previous seasons. See how it is. Yeah. Which, like, might be the whole goal. Yeah, it could be, like, oh, nine, a billion dollars worth of South Park coming at your way. Like, why are they doing that? Should we watch it? Like, Yeah, like, I'm gonna, like I'm totally not. I'm going to look it up and I'm going to be like, oh, I haven't watched South Park in six seasons. I guess I should watch a few seasons of South Park. Right. And it's an easy watch. It's like 20-minute yeah. episodes. You don't really have to turn your brain on much for them. You know, it is what it is. It's funny. I used to, I used to watch episodes of South Park on my lunch break uh like oh, probably like a decade ago now but like nice. I'd like sit on my phone with Netflix on my phone and uh nice. just like knock out an episode of South Park during lunch <laughs> that's awesome it's the perfect 20 22 minutes it done is. yep so uh South Park guys there's gonna be a lot of it so maybe maybe sub to, to Paramount Plus yeah speaking of things that have been around for a very long time Let's talk about Brendan Fraser. Let's fucking do it. Let's do it. Brendan Fraser. What? I love Brendan Fraser. Do you love do Brendan too. Fraser? Yeah. How can How you can not? How can you not? 
The guy's awesome. <laughs> There's so many things like... He's had a rough go of it. Yeah. I feel like he's like most known for... The Mummy. The Mummy. Thank you. I like had it in my head and then as soon as I started trying to say it out loud, it vanished. <laughs> uh, probably most known for The Mummy, but like I remember things like um, George of the Jungle, Monkey yep. Bone, all kinds of like little just random comedy stuff. Like he was... Not a huge star, but a star. Encino Man. <laughs> Encino Man. He was in, too, to tie back to a previous episode, he was in one of the, uh, he was in the original G.I. Joe uh, adaptation. Oh, shit. For like okay. eight minutes. I watched it on Callbacks. YouTube the other day because I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Who the hell was Brendan Fraser? And, uh, but he as of late has been having quite the uh, the renaissance, quite the yeah. the rebuilding of a career much like Matthew McConaughey a four a few years ago I would argue also much like um Michael Keaton recently um Robert Downey Jr. before Robert Downey Jr. yeah yeah that would be wild if like Brendan Fraser just pulled out like an Iron Man level character jump started a billion dollar a trillion dollar franchise like (laughs) see now I'm gonna spend the rest of the night thinking about what character Brendan Fraser could play in the MCU oh he'll be in the MCU Uh, Or, or the DCU yeah. Trust me. Or both. There's plenty that are <laughs> He's involved. on his way. Yeah. It's true. So the reason we're talking about it is um, he has most recently, last just this last week, he was cast in Martin Scorsese's new movie. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which is starring uh Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro so like this is a straight up legit real time Martin Scorsese movie um you know his two favorite actors of all time also uh Jesse Plemons love him I love just like has a wildly successful career now yep like the random dude from Breaking Bad is like now but yeah so Brendan Fraser's in the new Scorsese coming up. He was just recently in uh, Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move, mm-hmm. uh, which he was pretty good in. Yeah. Uh, and then his next film to come out uh, is a Darren Aronofsky film called The Whale. Yeah. Um, so like Soderbergh, Aronofsky, Scorsese, like what's going on with this guy's career? Did he get a new agent? Like, <laughs> Like, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, he wasn't even doing this level of film when he was like at his peak, like 10, 20, 15 years ago. No. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think's going on? Or more to the point, do you think here? Here's the real question. Do you think Brendan Fraser is this caliber of an actor? So it's weird because like looking at his previous body of work, it's hard to tell because he did lots of goofy shit and some stuff that didn't work and some stuff that did work. And I think he is relatively good in the mummy. It's mm-hmm. a very like comic bo- or like cartoony performance. Yeah. Cause that's the kind of movie it is. Um, so like, there's no metric to really go off of when we're talking about like, Oh, can he do a Scorsese drama? Like uh, we're, I'm not really sure. I think he can just having seen no sudden move and knowing that he is a good actor Yeah. Uh, just because of uh, just, I guess my feeling about him is he's a good actor. I don't, he's yeah. fine in the mummy. Well, and, but like, yeah, like you think of like, I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb here and it's like, yeah, the big things that I recognize the mummy, George of the jungle, Dudley do right. Bedazzled mm-hmm. monkey bone. Like these are not 
heavy oh, fuck, roles. Fuck, he was in Crash? I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, so that's a good one to talk about because that was a really dramatic role that might have like been the uh, the tip of this. Yeah. Because did he get a um, a nomination for that or was that just like a, everything was nominated? In uh, I think that was just everything was nominated because that was Best Picture. So I think it was just kind of an everything, which I still that still baffles me that that was a yeah. picture. But yeah, I I I really don't know because so between the years of I want to say like two thousand and five or six to mm-hmm. pretty much now, not much going on. Like he he's worked here and there, but I know yeah. that he had a lot of personal issues. He went through a nasty divorce in like the mid two thousands, which was. Yeah taking a huge toll on him i saw an interview he did on sway in the morning like seven or eight years ago the guy looked like death he looked like like so his hair was like gone almost like his hair is back now but it was like pretty much gone it was crazy he looked so bad and it was just his voice was super low he had low energy um and so i know he had a lot of personal issues going on and i think that mixed with him not choosing great movies was just too much for him sure so i think he had to take a step back and then kind of reevaluate and now i don't know if he's being asked to do these movies or if he's auditioning or, or what's going on yeah because i think he's in the caliber of like he could be just asked to do a film and he would do it um sure. but i you know so i don't really know i just think that he got it like there's like an, another f- i feel like he got a new spark yeah that's what it feels like because Again, he's making stuff that we've never seen the caliber of the stuff that he's about to start making. Like, even No Sudden Move, I was like, okay, his part in that wasn't... Wasn't huge, hu- yeah. Huge, but enough where I'm like, okay. Also, he gained a lot of weight, and I was yes. like, is that Brendan Fraser? Holy, like his face alone, like his head got bigger, and I was it's like, very, whoa. It's very intense, um, but it's interesting because <laughs> I think that like the next film with the Aronofsky film, The Whale, he is the lead of. Like, he is okay. the titular character um of like because the whale is about a a reclusive english teacher suffering from severe obesity who attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter blah 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 blah. ah so that's i think going to be the real test is if he's like amazing in this role which like i think he has the the ability to be uh especially with aronofsky there um i know that's really a tipping point that if you know if he's really good in that and then he's good in whatever i imagine and i'm speaking off of no information here but i imagine his role in flowers of the killer moon um killers of the flower moon uh will be closer to like what's going on in uh no sudden move like not like a a huge role but like kind of like a peripheral kind of thing um totally but if he's really good in those three movies in a row with these huge big name directors, then like he can take whatever he wants from there. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that. Cause I think that's like, unless, you know, he ends up doing the mummy four or something like, like, you know, yeah. unless no Tom the, Cruise already did that. <laughs> yes. Unless he, <laughs> unless all the movies that he did, uh, back in the day were his personal choice in the movies he wanted to make. Um, and it's still remains to that day, but, or to this yeah, day, that's but true. I don't think that's true. I think I think we're gonna see a lot of really cool stuff coming from him in the next few months, years, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really excited because I think it's weird because it's not, it's almost not as much of like a comeback as it is just like an arrival. Yeah, because like he 
he did he was fought he was good in a lot of that stuff but this is like we said it's another caliber of film where it's it like the he's going for like these are films that are going to be in the oscar like conversation just because of who's making them so and that's just not like he was doing blockbuster stuff like Mm -hmm. he did the journey to the center of the earth stuff he was very much in the action he almost wanted to be like the action star guy and now i think it's he's take he's making a turn of okay drama let's go into the real acting stuff and see what i can make so it's more of like a just like an arrival for his real stuff. I said earlier, I compared it to, to Michael Keaton, which I don't think is a direct one-to-one comparison, but I think there's a lot there of, I think Michael Keaton is a much more positioned and much better actor now than he's ever been. Like, yeah, like he will always be Batman. But like, I think if you were to say name the top five, Michael Keaton movies, they'd all be from the last 10 years. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, know, you look at it. things yeah. like Spotlight or Bird, uh, Birdman. Um, yep. Sorry, all I could think was Harvey Birdman. And I'm like, no, we're not talking about adults. <laughs> um, yeah, like you think you look at things like Spotlight or Birdman or like they, they're, he's got a bunch coming out. Um, he's doing a TV he's show. He's in Dope the founder. Sick. Yeah. Uh, and these are all like great movies. So I feel like that's the kind of thing that we're getting to is him uh, in a more aged role a more mature kind of roles kind of thing yeah that, that suits him well and there's a lot of guys like this who i want to see this type of work from like shia labeouf i want to see sure. what he is like when he's older because yeah. you you mature a bit like you, you take the transformer stuff early on and you take holes and whatever and then you start realizing like what kind of stuff you really want to work on and then you go insane for a few years then you go nuts for a few years you get tattooed for that david Ayer movie that <laughs> did really poorly and you know it is what it is but but yeah, so I, I'm all for this. I, I think Brendan Fraser is is great, and I think that anything he's going to start doing, especially with any of these filmmakers and writers, is going to be awesome just by association. Um, and I'm here for it. I think he's had a rough go of it for the last 20 years, and I think he deserves a better, another shot at this stuff because he's talented. Yeah, yeah. Go Brendan Fraser. Go Brendan Fraser. Watch The Mummy, guys. Watch The Mummy. The mummy. It's actually really entertaining. It really <laughs> like is. The first Him one. and Rachel Wise, like, it's great. <laughs> He's going for it too. He's like it's yeah. almost slapstick at some points. Like, it's great. <laughs> oh my god, I just in my head, I really want Brendan Fraser and The Rock to do a movie together again. Yeah, because he was the Scorpion King, and like, <laughs> I would go see that movie. It could be anything. It could be like a fucking drama about something and i'd be like oh but like no it's like they're reuniting it was so so brendan fraser did the first journey to the center of the earth and the rock did the second one (laughs) so close yes (laughs) it was so close it's destiny that you know now that we've like they're gonna end up together in a dc property it's gonna be black adam versus someone yeah versus whoever he fraser is gonna be like oh well i guess wait brendan fraser is already established in the dc he plays um He's in, uh, not Titans, um, Doom, Doom, hold on, Doom Squad. Doom Squad. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. That was the first, that was the first thing that he started coming back with. It was, uh, he's in the, now on HBO Max, but formerly on DC Universe streaming platform, uh, Doom Patrol, which is, he plays like a, a robot. Yes. 
Yes. I, okay. Yeah. I know this. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah. That was like his first sort of return to the world, I think. And then it kind of grew from, grew from there. So he's already in DC. Okay. So there you go. Robot man versus (laughs) black Adam. You heard it here first. So yes, we need, uh, we need more Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Yes. Speaking of things that we need, what? Go. No, go for it. I was just going to say, speaking of things that we need more of in our lives. (laughs) All right. There you go. See, I was like, I've been like monitoring what we've been saying for about five, 10 minutes, looking for some kind of connection. And it came up with literally absolutely nothing. So (laughs) that's what um, that that, that last thing was me just trying to tie a little bit. Everybody needs a 50 millimeter in their life. Everybody needs a 50 millimeter because guess what, guys? 50 millimeters is the focal length of what you see out of your eyes. So that's just fun little tidbit there depending on your sensor size depending on your sensor size yeah (laughs) tt artisan which is a chinese company that makes um it's known for making cheaper versions of lenses that are previously available from like bigger manufacturers they make stuff for leica lenses or leica uh, l mount stuff uh canon ef sony e mount recently over the past weekend they just announced um their 50 millimeter 1.4 full frame lens for mirrorless cameras. So that's specifically engineered for the newest uh, grade of camera, full frame camera that all the manufacturers have been making. And the main reason we're talking about this is because the price is $235 US dollars. What is the normal price of a 51.4? Say if you were to get like the Canon RF or like a Nikon Z 50 millimeter 1.4 or like the G Master or something like that. It's more than that. A lot more than that. A lot more than that. I think for most of those, you're looking somewhere around like $1,500 starting, right? Yep. Yep. Um, if you get into any of the top tier glass and that's like the qualifier here is like, those price tags are their like top tier glass. Yeah. Which I don't know that this necessarily would be, but right. The thing that's interesting about this is they're saying it can resolve up to 60 megapixels, which is massive. Just to put it in perspective, your iPhone has like an eight megapixel camera and normal full frame cameras are between like 20 and 30 megapixels. Yeah. And 30 is on the high end for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So 60 megapixels and there are cameras out there that are 60 megapixel cameras there but there's like three or four yeah um so there's a level of future proofing going on here Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say it there's a level of bullshit going on here (laughs) yeah (laughs) you could put this lens on a 60 megapixel (laughs) camera sure yes absolutely if you put like it like i don't even know what the comparison is here because it's like if you put a like a Hasselblad lens or something on there that like, if you put like a high end ingenue or something on that, like, yeah, like that's going to resolve better than a TT artisan. Sure. It Like the 60 megapixel thing to me just feels like it's being like, also, yeah, like we totally met the math that had to be there for us to say 60 megapixels. Uh, right. Don't, don't try. Don't us. actually try it. But yeah. like, <laughs> I, it's weird because that's a very bold statement because like basically when you're when they say that from what I'm gathering it means it will it's not going to fall apart at 60 megapixels that's what I mean like yeah. it's, it's going to be sharp it's going to maintain because when you're at 60 megapixels or really anywhere above 30 you can literally get into the fine detail of of lines and texture and you can yeah. tell when things aren't sharp if you're shooting on like a 12 megapixel camera like I am sometimes like the 518 the nifty 50 from Canon works 
perfectly fine yeah. on that camera because it doesn't matter. But if you're Absolutely. doing like super high-end art recreations or you're trying to get crazy texture or you're doing massive landscape photos, you need that resolution. And what they're saying is you can do that with this lens or that's what they're claiming. Like essentially that's yeah. what they're claiming. Which is possible. It's bold. That's a bold-ass statement. Yeah. It's a weird thing that I'm like, it, it all comes down again, I think, to like who is this lens for? Yeah. Because... The people who are going to buy a two thirty-five dollar lens are they necessarily going to be a people that are shooting on a sixty megapixel camera, or be like shooting on a sixty megapixel camera to the degree where they need that in-depth quality? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like it seems like a mismatch in like the market target. Yeah. Which is a term I just made up. Um, it's it's such a weird thing because, and I think that's kind of the key is like. At what point do you really need to resolve all the way down to 60 megapixels? Yeah. If you're doing anything for online, if you're doing anything for social, if you're doing anything for, honestly, for video in any capacity, like, you don't need to resolve that much. It's like what you were saying of if it's high-end art photography where you're like, people need to be able to get in and see the details of brushstrokes and things like that. Or like, if it's billboard or if it's... I don't like then you really need that resolving power. But I, I think TT Artisan is in a place where they're not going to have a ton of people pushing that limit. Um, and like it might resolve to like 58 or like 40 or something like that. And like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm being so doubtful on TT Artisan, but um, <laughs> they because are it's like yeah, they are a third brand uh, or a third party yeah. lens maker that is known for making cheaper lenses. Right, it's like Rokinon stuff like that. It's like they're not me- they're not known for making the best quality things. They're known for making things at a price point that people can afford. Um, they're they're known for making lenses that normally wouldn't be this cheap. This cheap, um, and then you, to get stuff this cheap, you inevitably have to cut corners because there's certain R and D or design that doesn't happen because of yeah. you know they're cutting they're cutting corners. Now, the the thing I want to ask you is. If this truly is this good mm-hmm. and it either matches or comes close to like Canon's version or Sony's version, what's the justification for going after the Sony version if if this one does actually hold up? Like the Rokinon stuff, I don't want to bash Rokinon too much, but their quality control isn't great. I've sure. had their lenses. They're not super sharp. You know, it is, but it is. Yeah. They're, they're budget lenses. If this can truly resolve up to 60 megapixels and it's sharp and the colors are clean and it's nice and it's solid, mm-hmm. when do you stop buying the, the high-end stuff? And has it just become like a... Like Canon charges, obviously, a premium for their RF glass. It's like, sure. when when do you stop buying that stuff? Well, so the thing for me in that capacity is autofocus. Yeah. Because it can resolve to the end of the world if I can't hit the focus with my hand, you know, if I'm like, uh, you know, at 60 megapixels, if I'm a quarter of an inch off and it's a little soft, then it doesn't matter how much, you know what I mean? Like it, then it becomes a conversation of how well can you do with manual lenses? Yeah. Which is its own, you know, talent in its own right. Mm -hmm. If it is on the level of these other ones in terms of sharpness and thing. And I think the argument is more of like, is it closer to Leica or Zeiss glass? Yeah. That's awesome. I like, you know, if it, like if it, if what it says is true and it's, 
insanely sharp and operates on that kind of level. And it's not insane to say, it's not insane to say that like TT Artisan might have found their groove and been like, oh wait, we can like actually do this really well and become actual players in this space. You know, I, I think of like Lala lenses that were kind of like, I think we could just make really good lenses. And then they started making really good lenses that are like really cool. So like I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but that's pretty dope. Yeah. If they can get to a place where it's like legit and like, that's the kind of thing that's, they're going to say, Hey, yeah, like we can resolve to 60 and like that will inevitably evolve to, yeah, we can resolve to like a hundred and all that kind of stuff. That's an argument that not a lot of people out there can make. And, or that's a, claim that a lot of people out there can make and then back up. Mm-hmm. So that could be a really good thing for them as a brand if they can back it up. Yeah. And I think in this new age, like if, if any of you out there who are listening and aren't camera people or you're not caught up on, you know, the new RF Canon lenses or the new Z mount lenses or the G master Sony's just go and browse the prices on those because yeah, I mean, a lot of the times you're paying more than your body, more than your camera for these lenses. And very few people can justify it at this point. I mean, I know tons of people who've bought like the R5 or the R6. I mean, you bought it and Mm -hmm. you're not like running out to grab the 28 to 70, which is like $2,700 or something crazy like that. And it's stupid heavy. It's like they're getting it in an interesting point of time where things are as expensive as they ever were. They're as good as they've ever been, but people are kind of in the middle because the iPhone photography is here. So people are like, why do I need to spend eight grand when I've got this in my pocket? And I think they're finding their way into that stuff. Black Magic did the same thing. They're yeah. like, you want a red or do you want like a 5D Mark IV? Well, no, we're going to do something else and it's yeah. just going to be a cinema camera. So, and Laowa, same thing. They're getting in on like, okay, let's do really high quality, like awesome build quality unique lenses that are like tilt shift or macro or probe yeah. lenses that no one's doing and people use them a lot. So if this, if they can back it up, which I've actually only ever heard good stuff about a lot of their like prime lenses, like a Ken Rockwell's site, like he he's, he's rated a lot of these really high just because of how uh, like cheap they are. Realistically, they're like for the, for the return. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see this pop off. Cause I love using pretty much, I love using manual primes. Um, especially for filmmaking, if it gives me a nice quality and it's sharp. Well, so that's an interesting thing that I think we can touch on here is with all of the prices of like the, the Ken branded or the Sony branded lenses going up and up and up and up and up and up and up Mm. to the point that I'm like, yeah, like you said, I'm not looking at any Canon lenses to expand my kit right now. Like, yeah, no, like I'm, I have my three or four lenses that I use and, um, fine yeah but like with the prices going up and up it becomes a question of people are starting to look at different things and it's i think there's a level to which it's changing the conversation around not necessarily what's the best sharpness or what's the best speed lens but getting more into like character and like Mm. what a lens kind of offers you visually because like I have, you know, my, my few Canon lenses, but then I have a a line of vintage Canon FD lenses, uh, that I love that are beautiful, that I adapt and put them on my R6 and, 
you know, that's the kind of thing when I see this like TT Artisan, I'm like, well, there's that. But also I have my FD 50, which is a manual lens um, and has like a that FD look. So like I, I, I feel like that's a kind of thing that we could be getting at is if the conversation is not necessarily like, oh, it resolves to, to 60 megapixels. But if it's it resolves up to 60 megapixels with the TT Artisan's look or you know, with the, um, the Zeiss look or with the, I guess Rokinon kind of has a look, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for like, there's so many lens options out there now that like, that's something that more budget conscious people might be exploring. Totally. And, uh, I'm going to buy this lens. I just, I'm going to, <laughs> um, just cause I'm like a 51 four for less than a thousand dollars. I think so. Um, and for full frame, you know, e- uh, email yeah. stuff. So I'll let you know, I guess yeah. I'll let you know and see how good it is. Cause I'm, as soon as I saw it, I was really intrigued cause I've, I've heard interesting stuff about them and I think this is coming in at a price point and a, a lens selection that a lot of people are looking for and not a lot of people are, are like offering like Sony doesn't have a 51 four. Mm. And like Canon RF doesn't have one yet either. And like there's a couple. They have wait. a one eight, yeah. They yeah, a, but they don't have a one four yet. Yeah. And I that Nikon definitely doesn't have a one four yet. So they're coming in at a at a point where, you know, if you if you're not all about the autofocus and you, you don't care as much, like the, yeah, you know, it might be a it might be a home run for them. So yeah. And TT Artisan makes cool stuff like that. You know, like I feel like I've been like kind of dunking on them here, but like they have a lot of cool like different kind of stylized kind of stuff and if it holds up it holds up yeah so yeah guys that uh i think that wraps up the episode for today thank god i was all over the place on the last one <laughs> it was kind of an oddball one so you know <laughs> but uh let's just roll right into the recommendations i guess yeah uh, why don't what, you go uh, first this week josh all right i'll go first my recommendation this week, it's not The Suicide Squad, although you all should go see The Suicide Squad. It's actually a movie that's so far from that that it's it's unbelievable. Is it's, it it's, Suicide Squad, the original? It's Suicide Squad. No, no. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I recommend you don't watch that movie. Um, it's Treasure Planet, uh, which is a 2002 oh, animated film. Oh, man. Yeah. I watched it probably a week or so ago because I own it on DVD and I fucking like, love that shit. It is an incredible movie. Um, it's r- directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who were th- they did Aladdin and Hercules and Moana. Like they're like they're some legends in, in the game of, of animation and and the in the studios. Uh, it's obviously based off of Treasure Island, which is you know you you all know Treasure Island. It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which this is like the first thing I really know him from. Honestly, is nice. like this, and this is one of my. F- favorite performances by him is, is Jim Hawkins. Um, Emma Thompson's in it. Martin Short is in it. It's got a great cast. It's it's essentially Treasure Island, but in like a steampunk, sci-fi, dystopian future type of thing. Um, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt stars as Jim Hawkins, who he comes into possession of a map leading him to Treasure Planet, and thus ensues an, ins- an insane mission to go find it. And, uh, and it's great because the stakes are real. The animation is great. The soundtrack is awesome. Freaking the Goo Goo Dolls did the soundtrack yeah. for it, so I'm like, come on now. I haven't thought about and, this movie uh, in so long. It's there's 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 the th- my holy trinity is Treasure Planet, Atlantis, and the Road to El Dorado. Nice. Those are my those, three. That is that is some classic animation right there. I love those three movies. So yeah, go watch it. 
Uh, this oh, I do want to say it's weird because a lot of people don't know about this film because it it released under the radar. Maybe it was on purpose to kind of do a cult classic type type thing, mm. but it premiered the same weekend as Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Ooh. So obviously, it it kind of nobody saw <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Um, but you can see it now. It's on Disney Plus and it's streaming, and I'm sure you can rent it if you don't have Disney Plus. So you don't have any excuse. Watch it. It's a great time. Dope. What is your recommendation? My movie is very different. <laughs> um, so I watched, I rewatched The Hunger Games the other day. Um, and The Hunger Games is not my recommendation. Um, although solid movie in its own. Yes, Josh is doing the the three finger thing there. Um, <laughs> which you can totally see on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a very visual medium. My movie recommendation for this week is a movie that's very similar in a lot of ways, but very not in a lot of ways, and that is Battle Royale. Oh. Which is a Japanese movie from 2000 that is more or less the uh, same plot line of uh, The Hunger Games of a bunch of children uh, put on an island and forced to kill each other. The difference being this movie is incredibly rated R, uh, has some oh. of the craziest violence I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's children, so. And it's children, yeah. So there's like a whole nother, <laughs> like not for the weak of heart kind of movie, um, but really, really good, really dark, really kind of like there's a lot of themes of like life and death and, and things that they kind of poke at a little bit in the Hunger Games, but then it's rated PG 13. So they dance around it. Um, not so much with the dancing in battle Royale. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Lots of decapitations, stabbings. Yeah. Um, love it. So that movie is my recommendation. Uh, it is streaming on demand on IMDb TV. Uh, which is a weird streaming platform that exists only on like, Amazon Fire Sticks. It's like an offshoot. It's not Amazon Prime. It's like this weird sub streaming platform. Um, it's Prime adjacent. Yeah. Um, it's also on Tubi and, and Vudu, um, which are things that I don't subscribe to. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, you could just, you know, rent it for, I think, like $3 on Amazon. So yeah. Again, no excuse, guys. Yeah, watch, if you're if you're up for a, a really gory Japanese movie, uh, go for Battle Royale. <laughs> and there's there's a couple of them. I think I think they made two or three. I don't remember exactly, but okay, All yeah, right. dark, dope. Love me some dark movies. Well, uh, that's gonna do it, guys. Yeah, that'll bring episode. us home. That's that'll bring us right home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where uh, where can people find you on the internet, Willis? You can find me on the internet uh, at Willis Film on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Josh, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Josh J Fuller and on Twitter at Josh Fuller thirty three Fuller with no e. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at uh, Pixel Splitters. What is it? Pixel, Pixel splitters, splitters and, yes. then, and then on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. You usually do this part, so it's I'm true. like, oh God, what are we I'm even doing? What into is the this? fire? Yeah. So, yeah, follow us, DM us, send us cool shit. I don't like know. Like and subscribe. Jam that like, like and button. Subscribe. No, jam yeah. that subscribe Actually, button. Jam the subscribe button if you're on Apple. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a like a review. That really helps us out for sure. Um, if you are listening to us on Spotify, like subscribe, do do all that fun stuff, and uh, and yeah, yeah, that'll 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 bring us home. God damn it! Now that we're just gonna definitely, s- be, and that'll bring us. 
even more home than we already were. Now we're at the front steps. This is the part where we talk so much at the end that like our outro music like doesn't reach over the entire part. So we have to like, yeah, it, just- <laughs> yeah, it comes in at an awkward point. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. And uh, go see a movie. Go see a movie. And uh, yeah, good talking to you. dude. Yeah. Talk to you next week, my man.